Good morning, everyone. If we haven't met, my name's Tom Barrett. I'm one of the ministers here at All Saints, and it's my privilege to unpack God's Word this morning. And we have a bit of work ahead of us. We've been working our way through the book of Exodus this term. Uh, we started in Egypt, where God's people were enslaved, but the mighty God set them free. We then travelled through the sea and the desert until we arrived at the very special mountain, Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. And there was fire and smoke and the ground shook and there were deafening trumpet blasts as the living God came down to meet with his people, to strike a deal with them, a covenant, a binding agreement where he would be their God and they would be his people As a nation, they would be God's representatives on earth. That's a high calling. And the role came with certain responsibilities. Last week, we started looking at them as we read the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are like uh, an executive summary, the guiding principles of what this covenant between God's people and God is all about, what their part of it is. And today we read the Ten Commandments and we think, yeah, that sounds like a pretty good moral code. But then comes the fine print. Then comes the fine print. Straight after the Ten Commandments, in that exact same context at Mount Sinai, as part of the same covenant, God gave his people a set of laws that were much, much longer, much more detailed And I wonder what your reaction was as we read that section from chapter 22 today. That's only part of it. There's three whole chapters of that stuff. And to us, these detailed laws, known as the covenant code, let's admit they come across as a lot less attractive, don't they? They seem strange and foreign. They seem excessively detailed. At points they seem entirely irrelevant. We wonder why it's necessary to address some of the things they address. And to be honest, at points they seem just plain wrong. They seem to assume that slaves and wives are a kind of property. They prescribe some very harsh penalties. And so we find ourselves immediately asking... Do these laws apply to us? Does that question come into your mind? There's a problem with that question. The problem is it's a yes-no question, but I reckon neither yes nor no are good answers. You can probably spot a bunch of problems with saying yes, that these laws apply to us. Firstly, that ignores the problem of context. The covenant was code, code was given in a historical age and a cultural context that's radically different to ours. Every rule comes in a context. When you see a sticker up on the wall saying, don't do this, don't do that, there's a context, there's a backstory. Every rule deals with dangers that exist in a particular context. And if we ignore the context of a rule, it'll pretty much always mean we misunderstand it and we misapply it. We live in a different historical and cultural context. But the most significant difference for us is that we live in a different part of salvation history. God has done some very significant things since giving these laws at Mount Sinai. Let's see. 
He sent his own son in human flesh to die for our sins, to rise for our justification. And from his throne in heaven, Jesus has poured out the Holy Spirit into our hearts. So big things have changed. But maybe the biggest problem with treating these laws as applying to us is it can lead us to rely on the law. We can end up treating God's laws as a checklist to prove how worthy we are so we can pat ourselves on the back, using them as a way of deciding who is in and who is out. That's what the Pharisees did in Jesus' time. It's an issue that the New Testament writers deal with and respond to in the strongest of warnings. Here's a bit of what Paul says to the Galatians. He says, All who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Later on, he says, you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Relying on the law for our worthiness, for our security, is a terrible mistake. And actually, I think in our corner of the Christian world, we usually understand this. In response to that question, do these laws apply to us? We are more likely to say, no, they don't apply. But I want to suggest there can be problems with saying that too. If we say firmly, these laws don't apply to us, we're likely to end up rejecting them altogether. We won't read them. We won't listen to sermons on them. When we do come across them, we'll sort of shake our heads and shudder and go, what was God thinking back then? But the New Testament never does that with regard to the Old Testament law. The New Testament never says, whoa, how about all those laws? Glad we can forget about them now and just follow our hearts. Here's what Jesus says. He says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Another time Jesus was asked about which of the commandments was the greatest. And he didn't say, oh, commandments, oh, don't worry about those things. It's just all about love, man. He did say that the greatest commandment is the one about loving God and the second is about loving your neighbour. Then he said, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. He articulated what lay at the heart of it all, but without disparaging any of the details. In Paul's letter to the Roman Christians, he's got a long discussion about the law. At one point he says, the law is holy and the commandment is holy, righteous and good. And in our reading from Romans 12 today, we heard Paul quoting some of the Old Testament commandments approvingly. So the Old Testament, sorry, the New Testament won't let us reject all those Old Testament laws and just throw them away and ignore them. I suggest instead we need to ask a different question. Instead of saying, do these apply to us? Let's ask, what are these laws 
for? There's actually two aspects to the question. We can ask, what were they for back then? And what are they for for us now as Christians? Let's start by thinking about them back then, the Israelites at Sinai. God had told them they had a job to do. Their job was to be a holy nation and a kingdom of priests. He'd given them the Ten Commandments, which formed a broad and a solid foundation for an ethical system. Why then did they need all this fine print? Why this covenant code with all its excruciating detail? I reckon it's to show them that the application of the Ten Commandments had to be wide and it had to be deep. Firstly, wide. Humans are very good at dividing life up into compartments. Very good at separating life into religious stuff and secular stuff. Very good at spending Sunday reciting the Ten Commandments, but then going to work on Monday to run a business which tells lies, destroys lives, and steals from the poor. God is not satisfied with that disconnect. That's why he gave Israel this covenant code that spells out the right way of living in all the different aspects of life. In their households, in their businesses, in their neighbourhood, as well as the religious side of life. The application needed to be wide, but it also needed to be deep. Another thing that humans are good at, when we hear a rule, is to reduce the rule down into its minimal possible form. When we get a very general command like the Ten Commandments, we find ways to get ourselves off the hook. The law says, do not murder, and we say, okay, so it's only about killing people. And if it says murder, it's obviously only about killing people deliberately. And obviously the only kind of deliberate killing that would matter is if you hate them and you do it with a knife. And before you know it, we've narrowed down this general command so it doesn't impinge at all on our everyday living. But the covenant code is here to prevent that. It's to tease out the deeper principles behind the Ten Commandments and show how they apply. Let's have a look at a few examples. One of the commandments is, you shall not murder. And the covenant code shows how that plays out. Exodus 22 verse 2 says it's not just about marching up to someone in cold blood. It's also not okay to intentionally kill a thief who's broken into your house when it can be avoided. Exodus 21 verse 29 shows that it's not just about what you do with your hands. If you know that one of your animals is dangerous and you don't keep it tied up, and it kills someone, then you pay the penalty for that loss of life. Exodus 22, verse uh, 26 to 27, shows that it goes deeper than that. It's not just about taking life away, but if a poor person is in debt to you, you must let them keep what they need to survive. You can't take away their essentials uh, in return to the loan. This is all the teasing out of you shall not murder, wide and deep. Another commandment is you shall not steal. And the covenant code shows how that plays out in detail. It's not just about whether you sneak into someone's house and nick their jewellery. Exodus 22 verse 5 says, if your livestock are grazing in your field, but then you let them stray into your neighbour's field and they eat the bunch of the crops from someone else's field, then you have to pay them back. What you let your animals do counts as stealing too. 
Exodus 23, 4-5 shows us not just about taking other people's stuff, but about helping them keep what is rightfully theirs. Even if it's your enemy, if you find where their animals wandering around lost, it's your responsibility to return it to them. Exodus 22, verse 21 shows us not just about respecting the property of other Israelites. Ripping off foreigners is not on either. It's a wide range of circumstances and it reveals the deep intention of the commandment. Another commandment says, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbour. That is, don't tell lies in court. And Exodus 23, verses 1 to 3 and 6 to 8 clarify the scope of this. They say, that means don't tell lies to help a guilty person escape punishment and don't tell lies because everyone else is doing it and don't tell lies to help the poor and don't tell lies to oppress the poor and don't tell lies because someone has bribed you to do it. Last week we thought in detail about the first four commandments which are all about devotion to God and loyal worship of him. And a lot of the stranger sounding rules in the covenant code are about spelling that out. In part of our reading today, some of those very odd ones are likely to be about spelling out how to worship the Lord alone, make it really clear that Israel don't worship the gods of the neighbouring nations. So the covenant code stopped the people from reducing the commandments down to the least applicable form, and it forced them to apply the commandments wide and deep So they could effectively be a holy nation and a kingdom of priests, representing God to the world. But what about us now? If we're Christian believers, the Bible says that we still have that same mission of being a holy nation and a kingdom of priests, representing God. We're not ancient Israelites who were about to be settled into the land of Canaan with all our flocks and herds. A lot has changed. Jesus has lived, died and risen. He's poured out the Holy Spirit on his people. We live in the age of the new covenant with the law written on our hearts. So what is that ancient covenant code meant to be for today? What are we meant to do with it? We've seen what it's not for. It's not to be relied on for our self-justification. It's not to be rejected and ignored altogether. I think what the New Testament leads us to do is to respect the Old Testament laws as revelation. For us, these laws are not instructions that we follow, but they are instructive. They are still God's revelation to us. We still learn from them. What do they reveal? Firstly, they reveal God's character and his will for his people. Circumstances change, but God doesn't change. His purposes for humanity don't change. And the laws that he gave back then show us what he values. From the Old Testament laws, we can see that the God who said, honour your father and mother really cares about parenting and he really hates elderly people being neglected or ignored. The God who said you shall not murder really values human life in all its forms, the rich, 
the poor, the unborn, the sick, the aged. The God who said you shall not commit adultery really cares about marriage and faithfulness in all its forms. The God who said you shall not steal really cares about the vulnerable and hates them being exploited by the powerful. The God who said you shall not give false testimony really hates injustice in all its forms. The God who said you shall not covet cares not just about your actions, but even your thoughts and your desires. The writer Tim Chester puts it this way. He says, we can work backwards from the law of Moses to understand God's eternal will. And then we can work forwards to apply it to our own situation. And as we do that work of working out God's will for our situation, the covenant code reminds us that we need to go wide and deep. It reminds us that every sphere of our lives is to be lived in light of God's character. Our professional life and the way we conduct ourselves there needs to be ruled by the will of God. Our family life, when the front door is shut and no outsiders can hear what's going on, needs to be ruled by God's character. Our sex life, Our life on social media, both in terms of what we consume and what we publish. The way we spend our money. The things our savings are invested in. All of this needs to be ruled over by God's will. We need to seek to demonstrate his character in all these aspects of our lives. That's what the Covenant Code reminds us. And it also reminds us to go deep. The New Testament has plenty of ethical commands. Some of them were in our reading from Romans 12. When we read a command in the New Testament, we need to make sure that we don't reduce it down to its narrowest possible form to make it irrelevant to us. We need to find those deeper principles and live them out. Love for God and love for neighbour is at the heart of it all. But the New Testament never says, love is all you need, Don't worry about the details. Because love always has to be lived out in the details of life. Wide and deep. But here's the third and final thing that those Old Testament laws reveal to us today. They reveal Jesus. When we read the Old Testament laws as revelation, they help us to treasure Jesus. The laws reveal what it looks like to live in complete obedience to God's will. They show us a standard that none of us lives up to. But Jesus did. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. Love your neighbour as yourself. Who has ever done that? Jesus has. Only Jesus has. And so as Christians read through the long and complex covenant code and we go, how can anyone keep all these? We're pointed to Jesus, who did so perfectly, wide and deep.
Sometimes you hear people claim that Old Testament religion was all about external obedience. And in the New Testament, it's the heart that counts. That's actually rubbish. If we look at the 10th commandment, it was all about the heart. And for us, even if our external obedience seems fairly respectable, as soon as we look at our hearts, we realise it's much harder to pretend. Our hearts are full of covetousness, jealousy, envy, anger, resentment, greed, lust. The incredible thing about Jesus is that he even had a pure heart. The covenant code points us to how amazing Jesus is and to how much we need him. Praise the Lord that our security and our acceptance depends not on our performance, but on his. Back at Sinai, Israel were told, if you keep my commands, you'll be my treasured possession. We have Jesus who has kept all of God's commands perfectly and in him we are God's treasured possession. We're safe. We're accepted. So let's treasure him. From our position of acceptance and security, let's pursue our mission of being a holy nation, a kingdom of priests, living out God's will wide and deep, showing his goodness to the world. Amen.